This is Functionally Literate Radio. You're listening to Functionally Literate Radio. Good morning. This is Jared, and I'm the host of the Functionally Literate Reading Series here in Orlando, Florida. This is Ryan. I'm the publisher of Borough Press. Our guests today are Dave Zaleski, curator of, of collection at Art and History Museums Maitland, and Danny Powell, writer in residence at Art and History Museums Maitland. Thanks the for same, being on the show. The very same facility. Yes. Thanks for having us. Good morning. You're very welcome for having you. We enjoy having guests uh, from local institutions yeah. uh, for, uh, you know, what they can bring and talk about in the community. Uh, so that's great. Yeah. You're, you're welcome. Because despite <laughs> despite how obvious it is to some of us, all of the amazing things that are going on, for whatever reason, I always run it. There's always a wall somewhere, right, where someone's like, oh, I've heard of that. I heard of that. I heard of that. That's awesome. That's great. What is that? I've never heard of that. So bringing in folks from the community to talk about all the amazing things going on and to go into a little bit of detail about it. It's a good thing. So, so let's, let's talk do that <laughs> about yeah upcoming in the, you know, starting this Friday, art 31 at um, art and history museums, Maitland Correct. kicks off. Yes. It starts uh, tomorrow night. We kick off with culture pop, which, um, Culture Pop is something we do throughout the year. It's on Friday nights. It usually starts the opening of um, a new exhibition or exhibitions. And uh, that will be uh, tomorrow evening uh, from uh, 6.30 to 9 p.m. at the mm. Art and History Museum's Maitland. Excellent. So um, what can people expect? I mean, obviously, probably some of our listeners have been to Culture Pop before because, you know, there's always sure. been a literary component to Culture Pop. So... What can people expect from Art 31, you know, sort of as the series? Well, the series, uh, it, it, several exhibits and art happening throughout the entire 31 days of March. Mm. Um, it is one of the most experimental and collaborative art festivals in uh, Florida. Cool. Um, the main point of Art 31 is just to uh, honor the Art and History Museums of Maitland, um, the Maitland Arts Center, its legacy as the research studio, because of course we are a National Historic Landmark as right. of two years ago. It was founded as an artist colony uh, in 1937 and operated through 1959. So it's just continuing that legacy that the whole point of it was experimentation. And although they didn't do literature back then, we have introduced that now as Danny Powell being the um, writer in residence. The, the uh, is first an example. writer in residence. The first, right? Yes, yeah, correct. So no pressure there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah not at all, Danny. Come on, <laughs> do good work and set uh, you know the tone for everyone else to follow. I don't sure. think about that on a daily basis, though. <laughs> it's probably better not to, right? <laughs> better not to. But during a uh, culture pop, uh, Danny will be doing readings. We also have uh, Eric Deckers, the Kerouac House resident writer. Yeah. He'll be doing a reading as well. And Danny, didn't you say they did add someone else? Frank Messina. Okay. Oh, Frank. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, who's who's of course hosted uh, various events around town, uh, well known in this uh, in the lit community too. Yeah, yeah, and it's a great place for um, uh, writers to present their work. Um, you know, in our central courtyard with the the 
you know, one of the hearts of this historic artist colony. It's just quite a magical experience. So hope people come and listen to Danny and everyone else. Yeah. We've both had particularly lovely experiences reading in the Mayan courtyard yeah. personally. Yeah. This yeah. was maybe a couple of years ago, but it's kind of, I don't know. It's, you can't compare it to any other venue in town. It's pretty special. Yeah. So I think people will, will dig it. So definitely. Yeah. I mean, there, it's just a wonderful historic uh, thing for, you know, not just Maitland, but you know, Orlando in general. Cause as I said to you earlier, I just moved down here for this yeah, position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in August and you know so many people associate the Orlando area with the parks and that's just not true there's so much art and culture here it's just mind-blowing yeah no I mean I think you know it, and it hasn't always been that way but in the last few years you know I think more and more you know I, I think people are coming to associate Orlando with its thriving arts community it's very dedicated arts community because it is still a small community like, sure. right yeah. but but it's a small community full of activity um you know we i was just at a, a farewell reading for the outgoing uh kerouac writer mm-hmm. and uh you know she was like she was like you know i i thought i would plug into the community but you guys just have so many events it was like a, a literary <laughs> event every single night you exactly. know on tuesday of this week there were three literary events competing with each other really three just three i i realized there was a third one that we hadn't seen on our on our calendar already wow so yeah i was i was like what is That's happening intense. right now so but no this is great because you know well I mean, we got to coordinate our schedule a little better, but yeah. you know, I mean, it's great for solidarity. We've got so much <laughs> stuff happening, so I agree. That's great, and I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad it's obvious. You know, not you know, having not been here even a year yet, you know that the yeah, it it really is amazing. I remember my mom was in town, and we were just just everything from um, sculpture to the the museums to the public art projects, historic districts. It's just a really neat community, the Orlando area. Right. And you're, and you, you're coming from, you know, um, uh, Racine in Wisconsin, Wisconsin, yes. and then, and then Savannah, Georgia, yes. which, you know, these are two art towns. I mean, exactly. These, so coming from you, <laughs> it's, that's it, legit, that's legit yeah. stuff right there. It, <laughs> it really is. It's a, it's a, it's a really neat area down here. Mm. So I think well, the good. perception that uh, Orlando is separate from Disney and more than that is becoming hopefully more and more of a cliche. Like people will be like, oh, I know that. I know. Hopefully. But <laughs> yeah, uh, and no, Danny, you true. yourself are from New York or at least have moved here from New York fairly recently. I moved here from New York a few years ago. Feels like yesterday. Hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I moved here from from Brooklyn and I was um, up there writing and making films and uh, teaching at museums. Uh, took a job down here, and the rest is history. Yeah. No, I've been um, I've been uh, really happy to become a part of the literary community, or to be becoming. Um, as you said, it's it's small yet growing, and it's great, to, you know, to to see an event that you've never heard of, that you've never been to, and say, oh wow, that's something new and different. I've never done that. Um, so to have that happening just feels really exciting. Um, and I feel like I'm a, a small part of that now being at, um, at the Artist in Action Residency. It's unlike others in, in its length and in its um, public interaction and engagement. So it's just been a really good uh, place to be in terms of making work and also uh, you know, getting it out there. Mm. And I do want to clarify, um, Danny's our writer in residence, but he is a part of the Artist in Action program. Right. Which we have two artist programs. There's, there's the artist in residence that comes from 
two, four, six, eight weeks nationally. We currently have Deanna Morris here. She does digital animation. Oh, cool. They live in the um, former, the founder's residence. Um, Danny, the artist in action, um, in the spirit of how uh, the art center was founded, um, you know, there's studio space and the artists actually get the studios and stay with us for a year plus. And they're local. Mm local yeah, so it's really pushing the local community yeah that's and that's a really great and really you know valuable thing to have in this community you know something that is it's a good resource yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah, and it's, so. it, it's a bit of a contrast right you're also an edward albee fellow toft lake center emerging artists which were more uh what would you call immersive residencies right where you would live there immersive and, and and also sort of the typical way it's done right you go mm-hmm. away for a few weeks and uh you live and work there um you usually you're surrounded by other artists um i've had the privilege of being um in the company of uh playwrights and poets and um dramaturgs and uh other filmmakers at times but it's been it's been one of these things where I find myself surrounded by people who don't do exactly what I do, and I tend to learn a lot um, mm. from them that That's way. That's the way to be. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, but what drew me to this opportunity was that it was so different, that it is, uh, you know, it involves the public. We have open studios during Culture Pop. Um, we do readings. We have workshops, uh, teach classes, and, uh, and, and do that for 12 months, mm-hmm. which is also a rare thing. Uh, and... You know, I think it's great now, as far as I know, now that uh, A&H is taking on writers, um, that makes two residencies in the local area. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I think that's amazing. Well, and you've been very involved. I mean, all of our artists are, but it's good to see all of you on campus and interacting with people and actually doing these workshops. It, it really is a wonderful thing to see. So, Sure. And I think there's also this spirit of um, wanting to work together, sort of collaborate in mm-hmm. some way. And that Definitely. hasn't quite happened for me personally, but um, I really do like the work that the visual artists are doing. And uh, and it's just it's just fun to be surrounded by that type of you know, feeling and, and vibe that's going on. Mm. Yeah. And as a filmmaker or a screenwriter and filmmaker, as well as a creative writer, fiction writer, do you, in your residency, have you been sort of going back and forth between the two forms? I have been a bit. Um, yeah. So there was a project I started before the residency um, that I recently wrapped up. And so now I am dividing my time between uh, two projects. One is a short story series and another is a feature length screenplay. Mm. Um, and while they're very different, um, for me, they they just allow me to sort of take a break from one and work some other sort of creative muscles um, and also just to explore different ways of storytelling. So those are sort of the two uh, the two projects I'm focused on right now. And the, the short stories are based on found photos, right? That's the, the found memories project. Right. Found memories. And I should also say that the letter U in, in found is in parentheses. So it's also fond memories. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So it works both ways. And it's a, it's an ongoing series where I, I go to thrift stores and flea markets and places like that and find photographs that people are selling there. Um, and which is a really strange thing because I feel like I'm being led into a, a world that I wasn't ever supposed to be led into. Um, but yet these photographs have been given up um, for some reason, unfortunately, because there are some really great ones. Um, but I just grab a handful, sometimes three three or four, 
um, and take them home, usually stick them in the drawer. Uh, they speak to me in some way um, when I buy them, but, uh, but then I stick them in a drawer and come back to them eventually to craft a fictional narrative based on what I see or feel um, mm-hmm. in those photographs. And uh, it's just been really fun, and uh, the public has really responded to them well. And uh, I hope to just keep doing it. It doesn't really have an end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually the public can, part of the sort of interactive nature of the residency is that the public can submit some photos to you as well. That's right, um, yes. and they- so. Go ahead. No, I was going to say some people have mm-hmm. um, already uh, at, at Culture Pop events, um, but they can also um, email them to me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't promise that they'll they'll be used, um, but it's definitely something that I want to grow as part of this residency. So I figured, you know, everything else about the residency is interactive. Um, why not make the project a bit interactive as well? Right. Absolutely. Is the photo thing something you've always sort of done, collected old family photos or old historical photos? It's not something I've always done. Uh, I certainly love physical photographs. Uh, I certainly love photo albums. I think, um, you know, it would be kind of cliche to me to go into the whole, like, you know, the fact that that's being lost and what is it really doing, you know, in this digital world. So I don't get into that, but uh, it's just, you know, honestly, I can't even remember why I started the project other than wanting to have fun with the photographs and do something that was a bit more experimental, at least in terms of my own work. Um, and that's what it gives me. It gives me an opportunity to try to uh, try some new things with character and narrative and form. And so, you know, I tend to, like I said, put them in a drawer, take one out that really speaks to me. And I can usually, it usually comes pretty quickly mm. after that. Like once it, it, uh, it starts, it sort of finishes pretty quickly. And then I just put it out there. I put it on my website. I'll um, show it at Culture Pop and um, I'll read some of them tomorrow as well. Are most of the photographs you're interested like figurative photographs or can they be landscapes? Anything, anything at all. Um, Just interesting, I got to show you when we get back, a woman came in last week with a old scrapbook that her, her mother had passed away all old photographs from the 1940s wow. of the art center. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, the research studio, what it looked like back in the 40s. Well, that would be really fun to just take a look yeah, at. I mean, I, I really like, um, place is really important to me in terms of just, you know, life, but also in, in my work. And so that would be really interesting to take a look at. Um, I mean, at some point I can, I can throw out um, an email address for people to send stuff, but in the meantime, I, I will say that um, I'll take a look at anything. It can be you know portrait, it can be landscape, sure. it can be strange and weird or funny or you know anything at all. But uh, I don't like to know a lot about the photograph sure. uh, beforehand. I really just like to let it um, be what it is and then uh, craft a narrative that m- may or may not really have anything to do with what's going on in the photograph. There might just be one little thing about the photograph, one little object, or it may be the look on someone's face, or it might be something going on in the background that's less important to the photograph, but really uh, is important to me. So I try not to know too much about. Um, I tend to have to turn the photographs over when I'm at the thrift store Mm. because... uh, (laughs) Otherwise, you'll get into them. Well, there's sometimes a name or a location Uh, or a date, and those are things I don't really want to know. If I know it, um, that's sort of another reason why I might throw it in a drawer 
is because I want to forget that I saw a date or a yeah. name, but I tend to have to turn them over just to see the price. Um, and so I sometimes we'll see what's, what's back there, yeah. what else is back there. Yeah, but this, this is consistent with the idea of, um, not, you know, not knowing and how that can take us into a completely different space with our writing. Right. I mean, because when you have this, you know, either inspiration or something that stimulates your mind and then you just sort of let your head go into the exploration, you know, you, you arrive probably almost universally at some you know, unexpected and really interesting places. Maybe the most interesting places are sort of accessible only through that chaotic, you know, methodology, right? No, I think that's right. And the photographs, I don't really see them as a prompt in, you know, in, in that terms in those terms but they certainly um do inspire a sort of uh path that's very unexpected yeah. um absolutely and in my other work in my novels and screenplays and and in the other formats i don't really outline i don't really do any um any sort of prep and so it's it's it feels very familiar familiar to me because that's normally what i do i'd like to you know, you know, sort of see where those unexpected things take place, but it does it even more so mm -hmm. because you are looking at something that, um, that is open to a lot of paths, I think. Yeah. So. Yeah. I was, I was thinking, uh, when you were, we were talking about the idea of like getting photographs from, you know, like the thrift store and places like that. I mean, it immediately sparked in my head, of course, um, the wonderful Miranda July book, it chooses you, where, you know, of course, she's, you know, looking in the penny saver. But, you know, what what ends up happening is and granted, like she's more interested in the sort of like biographical, mm -hmm. but it, it's sort of the journey is also chaotic. Right. And, and it's this idea of, you know, finding something that isn't ours. It's a, it's a sort of like a, a unusual sort of alien landscape. And, and we and to navigate it is a brave, brazen almost like um, criminal acts. And it's not criminal, but you know, like it feels so kind of like, oh, what am I doing? Like, oh, I'm, I'm seeing into this portal, you know? <laughs> I feel like I maybe shouldn't be here a little bit, but that's also a wonderful feeling. <laughs> no, and I think that's what we all do as writers also is we're kind of trying to get into someone else's skin, right? And, right. and see the world through their eyes. And um, sometimes that's beautiful and sometimes it's dark and sometimes it's both and hopefully usually it's both um and uh and it's a million other things sometimes so how how we get through that is is always its own thing and its own journey and with the photographs uh, like i said before I, I sort of feel strange sometimes looking at these and and working with them because they're they're not really mine but they're not really someone else's anymore and the people in the for photo for <laughs> there for sale and you know sadly sometimes and i do question those things and think where did this come from and what is this really all about and uh that's those are stories in and of themselves right but i don't i don't dwell on those things too much in the crafting of the stories mm -hmm. you just sort of let yourself find the uh find the thing that's happening in the thing right and it's yeah. <laughs> well that i mean it sounds like it's a sort of 
weird thing where I sit down and I stare at the photograph and I let it speak to me. And, and next thing you know, like I'm writing something that I would have never written before. And I mean, hopefully it's something that I've never written before, but it's, it's not as sort of, I don't know. I think it's, it, it comes across as weird maybe because it's this sort of metaphysical idea about writing that you have to accept that like, even though you're being prompted by something foreign, right? Like a photograph, what's driving you to do the writing is something that's in you somewhere. And so even if what comes out, it has nothing to do with anything you've ever personally experienced, that story, like any other story or novel or screenplay or piece of art has something of you in it. And so it's really just the method of, of getting that out, right? right? That these photos are kind of providing or the, the catalyst, maybe. No, that's perfect. Yeah. And let's um, record that and put that uh, as the, <laughs> <laughs> we'll just as the description of the project. You're welcome to that. <laughs> mm. Danny, I have a question, though. Being our first um, artist in the, the artist in residence, always um interests me in how their location affects the development of their work and i just want to give you an example like although you're a writer our artists and residents right now deanna morse the digital animator she did um uh in the up jared where you said oh, you had yeah. uh, you had uh, people up being um, the upper peninsula of michigan for those unfamiliar <laughs> she said you know in that specific situation it was tough because it was fall it was cold they had no electricity no running water um and she was wow. there about three weeks i mean how do you know how does that affect you like location for any residency or you know what have you observed well fortunately for for most of us who were lucky enough to go to these things to get accepted to you know go to montauk in the case of the albi residency or um way up in Minnesota for Tofty Lake, which was starting to get cold in the fall. Mm. Um, they're usually very beautiful places. They're usually very quiet. All the things most writers need, not everyone, but sure, I'm not sure. the go to the coffee shop and write type of person. That's just not me. I do need... With the black turtleneck <laughs> and, and sunglasses all day. Sure. Um, but in terms of sound and, and um, environment and surroundings... I need that quiet and that and that okay. peace. Um, and so those other residencies um, were very much that. This residency is not very far from that as well because it's right. My studio, unlike the artists, unlike the visual artists, my studio is at Lake Lily. Yes, it's not on the main campus of the art center, and so I'm looking at a lake every day, and I'm seeing people's um, people people with their family, people jogging, people, uh, I don't see too many bikes actually. I don't know, maybe it's not allowed there. Um, I'm seeing uh, just some really interesting sites that haven't really actually played into any writing just yet, um, but certainly the view through the window, um, the fact that there are classes that take place sometimes in the building as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm able to talk to you know, uh, art students who are learning some you know, watercolor te technique for the first time or something else, uh, and just to engage with people. So it's it's a mix of both, which for me I think is really uh, exciting at this point in in my um, in my career, if I want to use that word. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I it's think a, you used it. I used it, yeah. but I use it and I don't use it 
I try to not use it in the sense of like, oh, I, you know, let me chase this opportunity because it's a career builder. I'd rather right. look at it like, what's it going to do for my work in terms yeah. of, um, just create a process, the, the process, right. The process and whatever comes out of that, um, it's just sort of icing. Yeah. We need uh, to reclaim the word career though. I agree. Because, yeah. yeah I, without a doubt. Cause it, it is about, it, it is, it's, it's the work. It's the work, you know, <laughs> it is work. So oh, don't yeah. get me wrong. I, I think artists sh should be, um, respected as you know, as a profession, like artists should be respected for the profession they do as much as um, anything else. It's just as worthy and valuable and important. Um, and, you know, as much as I would not want to, um, you know, sit behind a desk and crunch numbers, we need number crunchers, mm -hmm. you know, like mm -hmm. there are people who are as passionate about numbers as we are about words. And um, it's, it all fits into how the world needs to work mm -hmm. so absolutely yeah, yeah so i, I don't career has a it just has a certain connotation but right, it could it mean does, more yeah. than one thing like if you tell an mba that you have a writing career but you also have a full-time job and you know, they might not quite understand that as a career path per se but it is i think is what we're saying right and i don't mean to avoid that that word also in yeah. terms of what i do every day which is sit down at the computer and put words on the screen for um for a number of reasons, but it certainly is my job. It's my career. I'm I'm focused on it, and it's it's what I do. I I I don't believe in writer's block. I mm -hmm. you know inspiration is something that you it, that helps, um, but you have to sit down every day and work at it and trudge through it sometimes yep. and and sweat and bleed and cry and all these things. And so, no, I, I do all of that. And so I certainly say that, yes, you know, I am a writer and I am a filmmaker and this is what I do just like anyone well, else. You know, being in the museum field for now, I guess, you know, over 15 years, um, one thing that's always irritated me, I have to be honest, is you're hearing people, well, you're really only an artist or a writer if you make your living doing that. Huh. And that's always really bothered me because, you know, number one, you've got to pay bills. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you're an emerging artist, you know, maybe you make your money crunching numbers, but that doesn't mean that that's who you are. So, um, it, it's, um, I don't know. I just see it as a, a completely valid profession and obviously something I greatly appreciate. Sure. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, it, this is definitely an area where, um, you know, well, it's it's a it's a tough thing, right? Because you you like the idea of a a culture that so values its artists that it makes it possible for more of them to do that work, right? But but we don't necessarily live in a culture that always values art. I mean, we, we definitely live right now in a time when, you know, success is sort of seen as as the as well, like you said, you know, you're you're only a, an artist if you make your living at it. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I know any artist who only does their art. I don't know. one. I don't know one right now. Again, I've been in the museum field, so, you know, I've worked with the emerging sure. artists, and then I've worked with some that are, you know, extremely well-known, sure, and yeah. their work is very, very valuable, and that is how they do their work. And and they still do, you know, they, they make money lecturing, 
Yeah. Um, you know, small residencies, they'll get paid for. Um, I guess you can say, you know, they are making their living doing their art then, you know, and, yeah. and, and such. But at the same time, some of these artists are also teachers. And right. that's also another, are you a professor right. or are you an artist? <laughs> this, you know, it's say, like, come on. You, you know. know, George Saunders, right? Like arguably the quintessential short story writer of the, you know, 20th, early 20, 21st century, you know, uh, teaches at Syracuse. <laughs> that's, sure. That's his day job, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, in the museum field, um, I feel bad for the these artists that are teaching. I know that they, for the most part, enjoy teaching, but they are they very much get distracted from their artwork at times because you know class schedules are heavy. Um, you have to deal with your students and such, and you know I, I admire them greatly for doing that. But I can see over the years some of them, you know, it, it flusters them a bit, um, not being able to focus more time. Sure. To do sure. And, and I'm talking very, very established people. Yeah, so. sure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, there are writers and, and artists who just love teaching. Yeah. Oh, That's without true. a doubt. <laughs> without a doubt. Yeah. I think sometimes uh, that frustration, right, from students can be turned into a sort of jet fuel. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. And I think there's been more success. Like if there's a an artist that's been an adjunct professor um, not a full, <laughs> right. um, you know, they're carrying a heavy class load, um, you know, trying to get the, them loans for shows. It's just a lot more communication involved, yeah. a lot more distraction. Sure. But um, I don't know. That goes back to the artist as just being a respected sort of position. Artist and teacher, really. Sure. Sure. Society that respects <laughs> teachers and artists and artist teachers. <laughs> Different problems with both. And then when they're together, it's, it's so just boy. like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm curious, though, and your your background in curating and working in museums, how um, often you see the different artistic communities you've been in, museum communities, reaching out to writers and, and the literary community as sort of partners. Because I think my perception, at least for a while here in town, is that, you know, literature as an art is a tougher sell. It's not as obvious to everyone. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously that's not reality. Um, I wonder it in your experience over time? I would how say in terms of writers, um, I see, I've seen more songwriters that, um, you know, in terms of like musical lyrics that mm -hmm. have uh, done things that have gone along with um, exhibitions that I've been a part of or whatever. Um, I can't believe, I can't remember his name right now, Vince, a former um, uh, bassist for the Violent Femmes. Mm -hmm. Um, his new band, he did quite a bit at Racine Art Museum, was real involved with us uh, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, with our exhibitions. And um, so I see a lot of that. I can't, um, I haven't been in a situation, like I was excited to hear about Danny coming in to uh, the Art and History Museums because I never, you know, had a, a writer in residence at either of the place that I worked. So... Um, it's been more with music, but, um, you know, Danny being here, uh, again, you know, as we've talked, he's the first one. It's just a really good move in that direction mm -hmm. to get literature going mm. in these environments. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, um, well, you know, here's a, here's a fast, I'm going to throw this out there and throw and it. Feel free to challenge me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. Here in town right now, our literary community is just about the tightest arts community. 
Ooh, I threw it down. I'm biased. You're naughty. Yeah. No, but I, I think, I think it, you know, it makes a lot of sense. And I, you know, I, I think that that, uh, I mean, that's only because, you know, writer, writers are often, well, like you said, you know, it, it can be very solitary, right? You know, nece- necessarily it must be kind of solitary if you're not the sort that likes to be seen writing, uh, which, you know, that's a whole separate <laughs> thing. Um, but, uh, but, you know, um, no, I, I wish, sorry to interrupt, but no, no, I no. wish, um, I do have windows around my studio and the public is welcome to walk up to the window and watch me mm. type away at my laptop. <laughs> maybe, maybe press, that would a, press be, a little like Some sort of a zoo sign out. <laughs> oh, no, like, 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 like a, <laughs> like a, the writer is present. Oh, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, is there a slot like, please leave sandwiches and yeah. picnic <laughs> items. There's, there's a tip jar. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> exactly. That's utterly acceptable. Um, no, but I, I mean, I think I, I bring that up because I think that it isn't always an intuitive choice for a literary community to be unified because often you know, well, you know, this happens, you know, we, you know, we all come from different places. So, um, you know, where, where I'm from, I know for certain that, you know, a lot of the writers just kind of do their own thing. They, they won't necessarily know other writers. They won't, you know, have collaborative things happening. They won't have, um, you know, even reading series and things like that, where people are sort of from the local community being featured and um, I don't know, I, I actually really like that about Orlando, and yet it feels unique. And and here's here's where I was going with this. To take it a step further and to put writers in a position to collaborate with visual artists, potentially, or or to even just sort of like, sort of um, have their skin molecules, you know, mixing in the air, uh, that's that's very, very good. And and it seems like, I mean, you know, you're, there's still the possibility of, you know, some kind of collaboration, but just being around, that's probably influencing you and, and what you're doing. To yeah, some Danny, extent. that actually, the, the, seeing some of our exhibitions, do, how much does that affect you? It affects me in, in the sense that there are some artists doing, and I was just talking to someone the other day about this, that there are some artists in this area who are doing work that is unlike work you see in, you know, the big places, right? Mm-hmm. New York, LA. Um, but it's distinctly their own and it's good. And that that's what that is what inspires me more than anything. Uh, but certainly just walking into the gallery and seeing what other people are doing and seeing what um, you know, the stories that other people are telling through their work. It may not be words, right? But I, when I look at art, I, I try to see the story that's being told. And maybe that's a biased way because of, you know, where I come from. But that's how I enter into it. And I think that's, a, that's one challenge to both visual art and literature is sort of how do you access it? How do you get into it? Books, I think, are a little bit easier because hopefully most people, um, you know, you know, if you can't buy every book that comes out, you can go to the library. Um, you know, hopefully you um, are, you know, functionally literate <laughs> to, to you know plug the show. Yeah. You know, the culture pop, and yeah. and you know, someone who just loves to read something, maybe not all the time. Um, whereas going to museums, I think, can be. Uh, a strange thing for some people who who may not do it all the time. And I think that's also where literature and art um, are so different and yet can come together in in that, 
you know, you go to a museum to see the Mona Lisa, you know, there's one work, you know, there's one example of a work of art that you go to experience at a museum, but a book is mass produced, right? And everyone can, can get their very, hands very on true. it. And it's just a completely different um, experience and access point. So um, that's what I, that's what I love about art is that it is so sort of one of a kind, that work of mm-hmm. art on the wall. You need to go to that museum to see it if it's not going to tour. And yet that's also what I love about books is that they're mass produced and everyone can, you know, you mm-hmm. don't have to go to a museum and see the book on the wall mm-hmm. and pick it up and read it. So I think just, you know, having museums hold readings and invite people to speak or to engage the public in that way, that's where you start. And then it, I think it just kind of snowballs into its own thing from there. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think the the community here, specifically the literary community to maybe strengthen Jared's uh, proposition that, that it's the tightest. Um, Sorry. I think it has something to do. <laughs> and this is just a fact. And you know, actually I want, I have so many things I want to talk about based on what everyone just said, but I never thought about books versus visual art the way you kind of put it. And that's, yeah sort of twisted my thoughts on that too a little bit for the better. So thank you for that. What Jared said though about the community, I think um, we're not, it thrives outside of academia, but there are colleges here that feed into the community. Mm -hmm. But when you have, when you have a group of people who will put on events, talk to each other, um, who are experienced enough in their writing to recognize different levels of quality um, and they, have a willingness to get together. I think the natural tendency is to get together and not like rugged competitive competition. Um, I know a couple of people in programs currently, um, competitive programs where they allow six fiction writers in, you know, and they, they don't complain about the environment. They don't say that like, Oh, I don't have enough time to write this, this or that. But there is a sort of level of toxicness that they report to me about, this I, this idea of careerism, you know, not right. the kind of abstract, lovely career we're talking about, but this is very much like I'm in a competitive program. <laughs> I'm going to do my best to position myself. And it's it, it not, starts to get, it starts to lose this sort of spirit of community and artistry. Yeah, it's not a that, respect for your own work. It's a disrespect for everyone else's. Yeah, so. <laughs> and so I feel like maybe one of the reasons why, um, and this what I could be saying now is true of other art communities in town, but I think one of the reasons why it's, the literary community is tight is because we don't have that. We don't have a major publishing industry based in Orlando where people are constantly making deals deals. And we don't have, um, we have great MFA programs, but they're not what you would consider like highly competitive, like, you know, cutthroat, whatever. Everything's a little bit more laid back. They're kind of, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. And Hmm. I think people here see the value in, support right supporting one another and what we're doing and um yeah i don't i don't feel that level of competition either i mean competition can be good right you know competition can push people to be better um but here it's not so much um that competition to say you know i deserve to be ahead of you or whatever it's just kind of like Like we we know sort of a click type Mm -hmm. mentality as well can be very bad in those situations yeah I, i have to say you know um reading the annual minutes back in the 1930s and 40s for the um, the research uh, center, um, now Art and History Museums Maitland, um, 
that was a problem they dealt with back then. Like you just mentioned, if you had six fiction, fiction writers together, well, did three of them know each other before? You know, yeah. mm-hmm. they did go through that. Um, mm-hmm. They thought it'd be a good idea to have people come in that knew each other, kind of help nurture. Um, and it sort of backfired on them. Mm-hmm. And then they decided that they had to go and get people that didn't know each other to prevent like a clickishness. So um, we don't run into that now. I mean, I think all of you get along really well at the studio and you're all doing such different things that, and so. Yeah, well, I think. You know, yeah, well, I was just saying, not to be too utopian, but like, I think this idea that, okay, so you could, you could feel competitive with other artists or writers or, you know, you know, any, any other person really. And, uh, and that's one kind of inspiration, right? The sort of petty kind, but then, you know, what you were saying earlier, going into the visual arts exhibits and seeing people who are simultaneously individualistic and yet, um, creating work that is obviously good really good stuff i mean like that's not that's not a sort of competition that's just sort of like wow like i really want to get into my space now and and kick some butt because i'm seeing i'm seeing all this good stuff happening and i'm like i want to i yeah i wow yeah let's yeah let's make it happen you know like that's that's also really really positive it's like a positive kind of like you know friction that we create around each other right Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And I think, uh, yeah, like healthy, healthy competition is, is this idea of being able to go out to a reading, see someone, you know, or don't know, read something that's really good and be like, man, I got to get back. I got to get back home and like work on my PC to yeah. be, ins- ins- essentially to be inspired by other people working around you. Or, or to and, like have some cloud lifted off of an idea that you're like, I was toying with this, but oh, now you did that. And like, wow, now I'm thinking about some other things over here. And yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail your thought. No, no. <laughs> I think it's I think it's good. My own thought was no, just uh, it, again. It just always interests me um, with the uh, author writer in residence. You know how the environment impacts, and um, I'm glad that it's been positive for you. No, it does, but at at the same time, you know, I mean, I think you know some of us in the room will agree that there's a tunnel that, that sort of happens I think around you as well where you just sort of fall into the screen and you focus and you're just there with the characters and with the story and yeah. um, sort of what's around you almost falls away kind of disappears and um, for better or for worse you know you get locked into that and next thing you know three four hours later you come out of it um, but no space and and place are always things that impact um even when you don't really know it or, or realize it. I'll be interested um, to see your reaction to uh, our upcoming shows because uh, we've got uh, Lori Fredette who does um, uh, very soothing installations. They almost look like seed pods. They're uh, resin, uh, metal, and um, beeswax hung from the ceiling with uh, strings. It's very interactive, very organic. But then we have Jason Hackenworth, the balloon guy. Balloon guy, balloon guy. Um, <laughs> Jason's stuff is just mind blowing, um, and we have some of his wearables that are going to be throughout Orange County uh, during Art Thirty One. Just absolute nice guy, crazy stuff. But that just um, burst of color, burst of energy, very also organic. And then uh, Paige Smith, who does the geodes throughout our campus, she does um, these like crystalline geodes that she fills in. 
uh, sort of urban decay, but she's kind of moving away more and doing it into historic architecture. Um, it'll be interesting to see your reaction to all of that. Yeah, no, I think, um, like I said, visiting <clears throat> the other artist studios and just having conversations, that's not something we typically get as writers. And so it, it, you know, whether you're conscious of it or not, it, it happens, it sort of seeps in there and, um, and eventually, you know, finds its way in terms of an idea or in terms of another way of approaching a work or in terms of thinking about it. Um, or it's just a really interesting conversation. Well, I know that our artists and actions have all very much enjoyed the readings. Oh, good. Yeah. No, good. They, they've all been, um, you know, they're, they're also excited to have a writer with us. Um, it just isn't, you know, th it doesn't make sense not to have that uh, rounded out aspect to uh, our, our artists in action program. So they've always enjoyed the readings greatly. Mm -hmm. Okay. So all, all the writers out there, <laughs> yeah. pay attention. And next year, uh, actually, no, this year, I think the applications, I don't know exactly when they will open. I'm not going to speak um, to that and get it wrong, but I know that um, last year, I believe I was applying somewhere in midsummer, mm. um, or I guess early summer uh, in June, um, July. So hopefully, um, not to put too much work um, on the the people involved, but hopefully the applications will go up in terms of yeah. um, creative writers, and yeah. there'll be some some good things happening in the future. Absolutely, yeah, yeah and good. so. People want to know more about Art Thirty One. Where can they go on the internets? Well, we actually have a website. It's just uh, art thirty one dot org uh, that will give you um, information. You can also go directly to our website, artandhistory um, dot org, um, and it will give you all the information. Um, again, Culture Pop itself starts tomorrow night. There is mm -hmm. a fee of five dollars unless you're a member, um, but. Uh, the Art 31, there's going to be other um, local artists included, um, Boy Kong, Dan Hess, Marley E. All of this, again, is available on uh, www.art31.org. Fantastic. And then Culture Pop is tomorrow. Danny yes. Powell, the artist in residence, will be reading. Yep. Along with uh, the Kerouac resident. Uh, yeah, Eric, Eric Deckers. Eric Deckers. Eric Deckers and, and Frank Messina. Yep. And also, um, Danny, you've got a workshop coming up in April. Um, actually, before I mention the workshop, the found found photos, no, found memories project slash fond memories project. <laughs> if you yeah. want to contribute a photo to that to possibly inspire Danny to create some fiction out of, where can uh, listeners send their photos to? Just send a digital copy to info at dannypowell.us. Not dot com, but ah. dot us. Info at dannypowell.us. And again, try not to tell me too much about it. Um, yeah, but, if you mail um, something, don't write anything on the back. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I right now I want to see digital copies just because you know again your photograph's probably one of a kind. And uh, in the future, if it is used um, in the in the crafting of a story, we will get a a, a high res copy um, scan mm -hmm. of the of the image so it doesn't have to be super fancy or you know um just you know go ahead and, and send it my way yeah. and and i'll let you know if it if if i end up using it yeah. um but yes the workshop in april is going to use the same idea 
I thought to myself, how can I get people who um, who may want to write creatively, but they just you know find it hard to sit down and do it? Uh, they don't know where to get ideas, or or you know for any reason, um, how can we get them inspired to um, to not be intimidated and to find a way into putting words on the page? And so I said, let's take this this idea. And so the um, the workshop is all about using um, photographs to um, spark an idea in your mind um, so that you can craft a, a short narrative. Um, it can be, uh, you know, really anything at all. Um, but I hope to provide some tools for that um, to get people thinking and excited and sort of get those um, those creative ideas flowing. And, um, and we'll do some work uh, there in those three hours. Um, so it's April 23rd. From 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., um, seats are available now. You can go on to the Art and History Museum's Maitland website, as Dave mentioned, which is artandhistory.org. Um, look under uh, Adult Workshops, and you'll find um, uh, you'll find the way to purchase seats uh, or you know um, mm-hmm. get, get admission, yes. yeah, get registered for the class. Excellent, and we'll definitely get that up on our Lando calendar as the date approaches too. Speaking of which, we're going to make that transition. So uh, Dave Zaleski, Danny Powell, thank you guys for being here. Yeah, it was great. Anytime, gentlemen. I stole your thank you, Jared. No, 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 you did it. You did it so much better than (laughs) I did. We should have tried to just coordinate it to say it at the same time. Next time, we're going to work on that. Thank you. Thank you guys. It was a blast. Yeah.